Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Hello there. Hello once more. Here we go again. Here What's we new? Go. What's new? Uh, not an awful lot. Do you know what I've realised though? We are, we've roughly been doing this for about six months now. This is us like tw- week, whatever we are, 25, 26, something it's like that. It's crazy because it feels like we've only just started this and yet suddenly we've got six months of podcasting. Yeah. A lot of nominations, yeah. chat, middling. We've, d- we've done a lot in six months. And we've had some great guests on. But mm-hmm. do you know, obviously everyone knows about Beatlemania, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about Petalmania? Petalmania. Petalmania. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Do yeah. you remember the first time that we listened to Pete and Diesel? I do. What was the song again? Salt and Pepper. Of course it was. And I remember the two of us going, nah, I'm not having this. This is a load of nonsense. We're not, we're not for this. And yeah. yet, suddenly, we seem to have caught up with the, with the, I guess, the folk craze that's taking the country by storm at the minute. Yeah. Um, that folk craze is Petalmania and Pete and Diesel. And tonight we're very lucky that, we've, that we are joined by Boydie from Pete and Diesel. Boydie, come on, Hasher. I'm all right, I am good. <laughs> hey, what, that's about all the garlic you're going to get from me tonight. That is a fact. <laughs> I've literally used my whole vocabulary up in the, in the first second. How are you getting on, man? You okay, yeah? Hey, I'm good, yeah, good. Just not doing much with the weather and just sitting yeah. in, sitting tight. Yeah, how's, how's, how's the lockdown and stuff been treating you? Has it been all right or has it been a bit of a slug? Oh, it's been a bit of a slug. It's, we're working everything. We're not, not really getting much work, so it's just kind of sitting about doing nothing, really. That's, that's the worst part of it, really, for me, I would say. This, um, so for our listeners, this is the first time you've ever been on Zoom, right? Uh-huh, that's right. So the, so the Zoom craze um, around the world <laughs> hasn't, has, hasn't quite reached Stornoway till now, eh? Well, there's a few people talk about it, but uh, this is the first time I've done anything with it myself, so it's a bit <laughs> new. It's all new to me. Fair <laughs> <laughs> play. So I take it you're on Stornoway right now, yeah? Yeah, I'm Stornoway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you, did you grow up... Um, and storm the way uh, and, and stuff or, or tell us about your upbringing well i grew up a, a wee village a wee village just about 10 15 minutes out of stornoway it's a bit it's a bit like the back of beyond when you when you're when you're only 10 minutes out of stornoway but yeah it's completely different it's just it's mostly it's mostly like croftland and stuff there's not really any streets or anything where i was brought up it's just like single track roads and yeah, House, houses dotted about all over the place rather than streets. No, you say um, there's not much work just now. What is it that you do? What is work for you? Well, I've, I'm a fisherman myself. I've been been fishing since I left school. But with the lockdown, well, when we started the band, I kind of gave up the fishing. I was just doing it when we weren't really touring or gigging. 
but then when lockdown happened, I kind of ended up with, well, I went back to the fishing and then with the exports and everything, that kind of went to a standstill, but things are starting to run run better now. So we're, we're managing to, managing we're managing to get our stuff sold, but <laughs> we've just got the weather on our side now. So <laughs> we're, yeah, still, we're still at a standstill. Yeah, I don't imagine the winter's too great for uh, life on Stone the Way in general. Um, no, I think we've done four days, four days at sea since Christmas. I think that's that's about it. Wow. So, like, when you have you always played music, or with, or when did you start kind of finding your passion for for music? Yeah, well, I kind of was, was always into it, really. Even when when I was in school, started doing a wee bit of accordion, a wee bit of guitar. Never, never really done anything major with it just a couple of groups we had in primary school and things like that but no I didn't uh, I didn't even start playing the electric guitar till I was 21. Oh really? <laughs> no so just just, 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 just uh, 32 um, so about, about 11 years ago I started playing the electric but I've, even since I was about nine I was always playing a few chords on that in the acoustic. What, when you were younger and when you started playing guitar and I guess when you started playing accordion and stuff like that too, who were your influences? Like, who were you listening to? I used to listen to a lot of run rig, a lot of the old traditional Gaelic stuff from the island. You know, like, well, my parents and grandparents would listen to you, stuff like that. Uh, but it was kind of trying to get the old old tunes modernised, if that, that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. How did you meet the other guys in the band then? And and because you said you only started, am I right in saying you only formed in 2018? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's Just... been a quite, pretty quick rise. So, like, how did you how did you come to know the guys? Had you known them a long time, or where did that come from? Yeah, I'd known them. I'd known, I'd known them a long time. They used to play in a band before that was quite well known up here, and uh, I ended up filling in for their guitarist for a wee while, and that kind of fell apart. So the three of us just got together and well I had put I had done a single video of myself on on YouTube and I just put it up on Facebook or whatever it was. I mean overnight it had got like thirty thousand views. So then I kind of <laughs> there were people asking me to play at a festival and I was <laughs> I had never played on stage or anything big like that before in my life. So I asked the other two would they come and back me up? So we just kind of took it from there and went wilder and wilder every week. That's crazy. So um, obviously, your name your name's Callum McLeod, right? But you get Boydie. Where did that yeah. come from? Was that through those guys, or had you always been called Boydie when you were growing up? I probably got that nickname when I was about fourteen. It was well, it was my parents had it, my father had it. He was Callum Boydie, and his father his father was Boydie as well. So it's been like a family family nickname. It's just been passed down. Right. And where does it come from? Do you know? I don't know. Nobody knows. No. <laughs> Fair enough. So where? Um, so that's where Boydie comes from. Where does the name Pete and Diesel come from? Well, <laughs> we were. We don't really know. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to think of something. We were thinking like half gallon drum, forty five gallon diesel, red diesel, and they were, they were just red. Di- red diesel was one we were actually thinking of sticking with, but then we googled it and there was someone else already called that, so we just went for Pete and Diesel. It's kind of it's kind of got a bit of comedy to it as well. So. Yeah, and so when when you played that first show, right, where the the other boys were backing you, as you said, did you go under the guise of Pete and Diesel then, or did the name come a bit later? 
No, I think we had Pete and Diesel then. We had we had the name then. We, we I think we had about two. We had we had about two weeks to come up with a name and enough songs to do a set. So, <laughs> <laughs> so were you? So that set that you then played was it? Was it just covers? Was it mainly covers, or did you had you managed to bash out some originals? I think there were two originals, and the rest of them were covers when we first started. <laughs> the first week we started, and then within. Well, within the next following weeks, the songs just kept coming and coming. The new, the, the ones I was writing myself. Do you remember what the first, um, what the first track that it was that you that you wrote together as a band? Do you do you remember which? What was the first original one? Well, I, I kind of write the songs myself and then send them send them like a wee video snippet of them and then they'll kind of send me a bit back and that's really how we were doing it. We weren't really like spending a lot of time together actually doing them. There was just wee bits here and there and then once. At the end of the week, once we had a rough idea of what the song was going to be like, we'd get together and try and nail it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, 2019, just a year later, you, you released Uptown Funk, um, the the album. Um, and do you remember of those tracks, what uh, what the first ones were that you were writing? Were there any of those that came from those early sort of songwriting sessions that you were that you were doing? Yeah. Well, that's. That Country Boy was the first track on the album. That was one of the first ones I'd wrote. I'd wrote that when I was about 15, before I could even play the electric guitar. So I was just one that was always stuck in the back of my head. But then after that, like I said, that one that went on YouTube and had the overnight the overnight 30,000 views, that was, that, was, that, was, that was the taking off point, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can, I can only imagine what that must have felt like if you're only... If you'd not long picked up a, up a guitar, really, or like were a fair novice in the grand scheme, and then there you are getting 30,000, that's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> did you go I'm out not... and celebrate that? Or how, how, did, how did that go down? Did you end up in the pub having a few few drams that night after that, or what? Well, yeah, that was on a Tuesday night, I think I posted that. It was like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I don't have a clue. I, mean, I didn't wake up till like 10 o'clock the next morning and I'm not seeing the amount of views and I didn't understand how many views could have went on in, in the middle of the night, but there you go. <laughs> Were you surprised that you could even get a good enough internet connection and still on the way to, to send? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. It's, it's been pretty good this winter right now. We can't complain. No power cuts or anything. So. Is that something you usually have a lot of power cuts in that? Well, yeah. Yeah, we, well, in the winter, yeah, it can be... It's not usually a winter goes by without a power cut, really, but touch wood, we haven't had one this year. Hopefully it doesn't go down there in the middle of the... In the middle, in the middle of the... <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Upton Funk um, must have surpassed your own expectations as well, initially, uh, charting number 12 in, in Scotland. How did you feel when... Well, first of all, when that album came out, and then, obviously, when, when you've hit number 12 in the charts, that must have felt pretty special. Yeah, it was a bit. What's the word? I don't even know what word to use. It was. Uh, it was things were happening that quick. It was kind of hard to register what was going on. Yeah. You know, because when you're not really used to people, and when, when you're just used to being on a boat and seeing nobody but seagulls, you know, and you got all these people coming up to you. It's like, psh, I just want to go for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. even when you go, even, even even but even going for a pint, you can't even do that. Everybody recognizes you, and it's like flip sake. So you're better off just getting a few beers and going to the back of the van. <laughs> I know, I know of, um, I've heard of the Lewis Bar because yeah. one of my uh, friends at work says his dad drinks in the Lewis Bar and often sees you guys coming in. Right, yeah. He, he didn't say the truth on how often that is, but he says it's quite often. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I wish it. I wish it was more often just now, but <laughs> we're stuck. <laughs> we're stuck where we are. Yeah, absolutely. So Uptown Funk, right? It's obviously made up of mostly originals, but you've got a couple of covers thrown in there as well. Obviously, "See You Love Me" is a great sort of folk song that's been doing the rounds for a long time, and then "Plate Full of Scadding" as well. Obviously, it's like a, it's like a kind of almost like a parody of um, Corner Shops, um, Brimful of Asha. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Us, about, tell us about your um, relationship with those two songs first of all. Why did you pick those for the album? Well. I don't know, because, see, like, the Scottish music and Irish music is very similar. Yeah. So I think we kind of used, well, we've used, like, even in the new album, we've used, like, Spansel Hill, which is Irish, and Dirty Old Town, which is Irish. Yeah. And I think, I think Say You Love Me might be Irish as well. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it might yeah. be. Uh, there's not really very, any particular le- reason. Uh, it's just, they're well-known songs up here as well, and they're very folky for what, what we do. Absolutely, and but but plate full of scadding was that was that something? Did you write the words for that, or was that a cover version that you'd heard by someone else elsewhere? No, yeah, yeah, you're right there. Yeah, that was a cover version I'd heard someone else had someone else ah. had actually written the words. It was a comedian, comedian from Stornoway that just used to, you know, pretty much take the mick out of take the mick out of different songs and put his <laughs> own put his own touch to them. But I think and, yeah, 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 I just kind of like, we asked him first if we could use it, and he said no problem. So, yeah, we just went with it. I think what's nice about Plateful of Scadden, obviously, you wouldn't necessarily know that you hadn't written them because you can tell that there's, as much as there's a serious connotation to some of the music, it, it, there's a, a nice comedic kind of humour to a lot of the songs that, that you've got out there as well. Um, yeah. Plateful of Scadden, the, the line, um, everybody needs a Big Mac or, or a Whopper, makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. But there are songs that you've mentioned there that really connect with that you've written that really connect with a lot of people as well, like uh, Country Boy and, and Western Isles as well. Tell us about those songs. Why are they, they, I, I imagine that those songs must be quite important to you because they reflect, the, I guess, some of your upbringing and stuff on the islands. Yeah, well, I suppose being brought up on the island, don't suppose, I don't suppose the law was as strict as it would have been anywhere else. I think we used to get away with a, I think we used to get away with a lot more because, well, like you said, there was probably only, only a certain few, few police officers on the island at one point, and now it's just, well, now the everybody's following the rules as as <laughs> as best as they can. But I would say when you're on an island, you're a lot more free, free will to do what a lot of other people wouldn't do. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> trying to say something without getting myself in trouble here. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, Western Isles is a brilliant song, though. I, um, I like none of us actually have seen you, you guys play live yet. We we'll need to change that soon. But um, Western Isles, that line when you hit that—that's the way we do it. That's the way we do it in the Western Isles. It's you can you can just imagine that with a big festival crowd, and it's funny because you, you in terms of the way you were writing at the time, you weren't writing it for playing in front of a big festival crowd because you didn't realise that was going to be what was gonna be yeah you're absolutely right yeah yeah (laughs) at the top of the episode just before you came on buddy we were talking about ali and i were talking about the first time we listened to you guys together right and Uh um it was actually we we were playing up at belladrum with our own band and had put the had put the the belladrum playlist on in the car (laughs) so we were driving up obviously about three hours obviously up to inverness i'd heard 
salt and pepper uh, in the car um, during that playlist. And I'd obviously heard that there was a bit of a buzz about you guys at the time. Um, I remember us getting up to the campsite um, and me putting, I, I said, to the, said to the guys, what, what do you think about this, right? L listen to this. <coughs> and Ali's scratching his head as we're saying it, but <laughs> salt and pepper, Justin Bieber. And, and I, I remember I was the one who said, what is this, right? <laughs> But it's but and so I was quite late to you guys. It's only at some point last year where I I sort of realised what the what the madness was about. But salt and pepper, where did where did that come from, right? What part of your brain thinks salt and pepper? <laughs> Eva? Well, I'll tell you how that came about. We were on a wild wild drinking party one night, and I did, didn't do anything of it. Uh, we just used to make a make make a racket basically yeah. on the drink <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I was going through my videos on the phone <laughs> the next day or a couple of days after, and I just came across this salt and pepper. So that's <laughs> how it stuck. And there was the three of us singing it. There was no guitars or anything on the original. It was just all of us banging a pile of spoons and cheese graters and whatever racket we had in the in the house. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't even music. It was just salt and pepper with a beat, basically, and <laughs> just kind of stuck. So, yeah, so it literally came from a drunken party somewhere with someone sh shouting salt and pepper at Justin Bieber. Basically, yeah. And, uh, there wasn't even any chords for it. It was just, it was basically just vocals and no chords or no music or nothing. So <laughs> I don't know how we, how the heck we managed to put it together, but oh. we, managed to, we, managed to a, we managed to do a good wee video for it as well. It kind of brings the comedy out in it. As well, so it's but more of a comedy band rather than we don't like to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, which is nice because I think when when I hadn't heard any more of your stuff and Salt and Pepper was the only track I could I, I I'd heard I didn't get it I didn't understand it but then I've been saying last year when I do you know what actually do you know how I came how I ended up listening to you guys I I love vinyl right I love vinyl records. And I'd gone into the, the, the main vinyl store in, in Dundee, Asai Records, and I'd gone into the Scottish section and I seen you guys vinyl and I thought, oh, do you remember that salt and pepper at, at Belgium? Like, I'm going to buy this and give it a shot. And I came home and I was stood doing my ironing and I was like, I get it. I get it. It's just absolutely brilliant. And, and basically from there, I went out and bought the second vinyl as well. And... Um, yeah, they're two brilliant albums. So unlike, like a lot of bands will take, I don't know, two years, three years, four years longer between albums. But you were, you guys were pretty quick at bashing out from album one to album two. Um, obviously, Light My Buyer um, only came out last year, 2020. Were, a lot of, were any of those songs kicking around from the original songwriting sessions of Uptown Funk? Or were they all kind of, were they newly written for... Um, like my buyer. Well, I think they were written for like my buyer. Uh, aye, because like I said, Uptown Funk was probably more covers on it. Well, I don't. Yeah, that probably was. But even though we made them original, you know, like you said, like taking other people's music and that. And I would say, I would say, uh, like my buyer is probably more, a lot more original stuff. But it's kind of hard to write. <laughs> it's kind of hard to stick to the same. Same kind of storylines in every song, if, if that makes sense. Because you want to, you don't want to make them too serious and sing about what everybody else sings about. So you kind of try and add words in that no other people would use, and sentences that no other people would use, and 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, there's some great, there's some great songs on that, like my buyer. It's it's a really, really good album. And um, my personal favourite is Pirates of the Hebrides because I think it sums sums you guys up really, really nicely. The kind of, um, again, the comedic sort of thing about um being the Pirates of the Hebrides, not taking yourselves too seriously, but doing that while creating a really, a really good kind of folk rock kind of sound. Um, but there's some, there are some other tracks on that one that. You saw that again, kind of make me scratch my head and go, "What's that about?" Watch a compete. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I always get asked this one. This, this is a. Uh, it means actually means watch the pipe in Gaelic. Right. Uh, my father was he was he's a digger driver, and he was right. uh, he was working in some some old woman's garden. She came running, came running out the door saying, "Watch a compete," because she was about to go. He was about to go through the water pipe with the digger. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that came from. What what an amazing inspiration for a for a song. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, it's just it's just little things, you know, like you pick up on and you try and put them together. You know, not I wouldn't say every song of mine is true, but they could very well be. But you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I think that you know, but they're all basically. They're not. I wouldn't say they're all a true story, but they're all based on a true story. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of good songs though that have an element of fiction that have been sort of flowered up, but with a whole load of non-fiction as well, which is, which is nice. It's, um, nobody out there really knows whether it's a real story or not, so it doesn't matter yeah. as long as it's good, it's sort of good music. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I read that there's a lot of untruths in, like, said, "Don't Look Back in Anger," and look at how well that's received all around the world. Um, yeah. Coyu.com. What's the crack there? Uh, I don't know. That was just that was just a riff that I really liked on the guitar, and had to just put something to it. Basically, <laughs> it was basically it was just basically trying to finish off the album in a hurry. I think we needed like two more songs, and I was like, just go with it. We're just sticking on. And is is Koyu.com an actual website of any kind or no? No, well, it might be now, but it wasn't. It wasn't when I wrote it. It's probably a good name for a fan website if ever uh, if ever you needed one. It um, probably is. I, I think I got it. I think I stole it from the confused.com advert. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, obviously, the opener on that album is an absolute belter of a track as well. Um, Horo Gaelic. Um, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but what does that mean? Because obviously, you guys, what's great about you guys is that. Um, You've reached this level, but you're staying true to your Gaelic roots, and you're actually taking Gaelic to to the masses, which is great. And I suppose that's what Runrig did back in the day as well. Um, what's what what does it mean to have a horo Gaelic? Uh, a horo I think it just means basically have a party, have a go and have a blast, music, good time, and a drink. Really, I'm not I'm not a fluent Gaelic speaker myself, so I just right. kind of. I just kind of pick up bits, and some of them I don't even say right, so I'm always getting, I'm always getting corrected. Colo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I can't even remember how it goes. Kolikamahu, is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. Kolikamahu, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the deal with that one? What's the, what does that mean? Uh, well, that's, that's, that's another one that could have been based on a true story, but not quite. Uh, <laughs> It's basically about a guy that's got out of jail and he shouldn't be allowed out. Right. Kolik means who let you out. Yep. And uh, if, you, if, if you listen to the rest of the story, you'll kind of get the gist of it. Yeah. 
See so, your your albums were they recorded on Stornoway or did you guys go somewhere else for that? No, everything everything was recorded on the island. Yeah, well, it's kind of kind of lucky really because we had well we a lot of it was done like you know like after hours like at night when people had finished work and stuff. So we wouldn't if we went to the mainland we would have to have spent we had just we would have to have you know we would have to have nailed it in a shorter space of time I think. Yeah. But so, you know, when we're getting to when we're getting when we're going down like you know a couple of hours a night, you we were getting to come home and work on what we would be doing and you know it was working a better for us like that. So like like my buyer, for example, like how many sessions, like how how long was the recording process on that? Did you take a lot of time over it? Were you at it for weeks? Was it a few nights or how did it how did it work out in terms of time? It didn't actually take that long. It just took more the actual time we spent in the studio wasn't that long, but like you said, we were having days off and then going back to it, and then days off and going back to it. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like we were working flat out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the other great song on that album that I love is "Brandy in the Earth." Obviously, the "Go and Have Yourself a Little Brandy." Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's another. It, as you realise, the live show was kind of getting bigger. Um, did you write that chorus with a kind of? with more of a notion of a crowd in mind than some of the others, or was it not influenced by that at all? Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's actually one of the hard things to do, is try and write a song that people can sing to. Yeah. Uh, especially with the Gaelic and my my accent, it's not easiest to follow. <laughs> uh, so it's, tenor, it's, tenor, it's quite hard to try and get, you know, a good sing-along. But yeah, there's a couple of them that, that are, like you said, like Western Isles, Country Boy, and Brandy and the Ari, that's probably the three best sing-alongs we have. Uh, yeah. The rest are very, <laughs> they're very unique and are quite hard to get your tongue around some of the words. I mean, Ali and I scratch our heads all the time because at the minute our podcast has been listened to everywhere from Mexico to Mongolia and everywhere in between, right? And we wonder how they manage with our accents. But I tell you what, they're absolutely fun. <laughs> 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 Obviously, the live show is something that, again, we've mentioned already, is, is really kind of has really taken off for you guys. And you won um, best live act at the Trad Awards in 2019. When you've gone from, I suppose, not having picked up a guitar for that long and have only really just kind of come together as a band, that must have been a hell of a moment to receive a best live act award anywhere. Never mind somewhere as prestigious as the Trad Awards. Yeah, well, that was another thing we just didn't expect. Just everything, everything just happened like week after week after week, and we were, we were things, things were happening that quick. We couldn't even keep on top of them ourselves. In the end, it was just like far too much for us to even cope with. So it was like just we just had to basically tell everyone we just couldn't couldn't take any more on because we were just full up with everything. And it was, it was kind yeah. of wild. And and like we we we're the same with our band and stuff. It's it's hard when you start to. Like I'm not saying we've had the success that you guys have had, no way. What I mean is like we're we're the same that we we're working during the week and then we're playing we're playing gigs at the weekend, often traveling about all over the country or abroad and whatnot. It takes its toll. It's it's a it's a it's a slog. And as much as you know you look forward to the gigs and the gig the gigs are wild and they're a lot of fun, it is a stress, obviously, doing all that in a week. Um because well you you're obviously you're obviously doing your um you're, you're fishing and stuff like that, right? What, what about the other guys? Because they've got day jobs as well, right? Yeah. Uh, well, they were managing. Well, they well they were they were just about ready to pack their jobs in there before lockdown happened. But well, luckily they never. Luckily they never. 
uh, or they'd be, they'd be screwed just now. But no, they kept, they, they managed to keep, they managed to have their jobs. So there were a few, a few long weekends, but no, they managed to, managed to, managed to keep their jobs. And what, what I, well, I, like I said, I had a wee boat myself and I sold, I sold the boat. Uh, I wish I had kept it, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah. What, um, what are the other guys' jobs? What do they do for a living? Uh, Innes, our accordion player, he's a, he's a sparky. He's an electrician. Right. He looks after the, the airport here in Stornway. He does all the lighting and that for them. Yeah. And uh, Uliam, our drummer, he's a delivery driver. Delivers around the islands with frozen foods and juice and whatnot. Beer, delivers beer to the pubs. <laughs> Have a day. I bet, uh, does he? I hope he drops off a little keg to you every now and again. Does he? Uh, yeah, he's he's been he's good to me. Aye, he's good to me. <laughs> um, obviously, like my buyer, then obviously went on to was nominated for best album at the at the Trad Awards um, last year. So obviously, it's great that you've got the live thing because obviously you want your live show to be brilliant. But for your album, for for an album to be nominated for a prestigious prize like that. Again, a bunch of songs that effectively are about your island life and island culture. It's you're almost like the the underdogs in every sense of the thing, the unlikely boys of of music that have managed to kind of reach the top through, I guess, not taking yourselves too seriously. That that must have felt great. That obviously haven't been nominated for best album as well. Yeah, I know. Like you said, it's. it's... It's hard to uh, it's hard to believe when you just think when you were just sitting in your room one night writing a stupid song about sheep and someone drunk in a ditch, you know, and then to be awarded for say six songs or something that you've written, it's a bit it's a bit unreal. Well, for me, especially when it's just like a lot of people see the big big bigger picture, and I'm like, it's not that big, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it is. So it takes a while to get you know used to it. I would say. Yeah. I think it's a, it is a good angle for music in that like you say and like Craig says you guys don't take yourselves overly serious whereas sometimes music I think you know can be taken too serious to the point of you maybe forget about the writing process like you say you maybe just see a sheep in a field and think I'll write about the sheep in the field <laughs> just something yeah. totally simple and basic and totally out there that nobody has ever done before which kind of makes you guys unique in a way yeah, well, I'll tell you another another guy I got me inspiration of was Jack Black. I watched that School uh, School of Rock. Yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm a bit like him, so whatever whatever comes into my head just gets shouted out, and a tune comes out of it. So <laughs> I think that's I think I'm a bit like that. If you if you were to compare me with anyone, <laughs> it's a great film. To be fair, it's probably my favorite film out there. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> obviously. Start of this year, Burns, um, you guys released um, your live album from the Barrowlands last year. Obviously, we've had a whole year, really, without any live music or any gigging at all. The live album went to the number four in the charts in Scotland as well, which must be, like, that's absolutely incredible for a live album to be received like that. It's absolutely crazy, especially when, especially when it's all the same songs on the other two albums. That's, yeah. what, that, that's what baffles me, but, yeah, there you go, it just... It's out of our control. It's completely out of our control. You know, what, what are your favourite songs to play live in the set? Because um, obviously you've written, we've spoken about the process of some of them. Some of them have been written with a crowd reaction in mind. Some of them have been written just purely for your own sort of reflection on the shape in the field and whatnot. What are your favourite songs to play live? Mm, I would say probably the, the sing-alongs that the crowd sing along to. 
just just because you get a bit just because you get a better reaction of the crowd. I think once you get into every song, you kind of enjoy playing them all. But I think like the first the first verse of every song is always a bit nerve wracking. But once you get into it and the flow is going, I think any song is pretty. We can pretty much nail it. Uh, but we're not. We were never. We were never. We were never big at practicing anyway. So it was all just winged basically on the stage anyway. So it was like. You shouted at me and I'll shout at you. And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> it's lovely, though, to see, like, footage of you guys playing on the mainland where, like, the Gaelic culture is much less. Uh, and and to watch and, and listen to crowds and crowds of people singing back in Gaelic to you. That I mean, that that's a great that's a great thing that you guys are doing to take that Gaelic culture to the mainland, to the masses. Um oh. Oh yeah, definitely. It's absolutely great. It's great for the language anyway, because it was dying. And it's good. It's good to see even people going to school, kids going to school and learning it, and their parents don't have a word of it. That's good to see now. Like never. When I was when I was leaving school, we thought we thought it was never going to come back, but yeah. it, it is coming back. And like you said, I'm not a fluent Gaelic speaker, but if I can chuck the odd word in to help the language, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. And what is the the live music scene like on Stornoway? I've never been to Stornoway. I've no idea what it's like. So is is it quite a big scene? Is it growing or? To be quite honest, over the last say ten years, a lot of the pubs have shut, closed down, probably since the smoking ban and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, it's probably gone downhill. If anything, there's a lot more musicians, but they're not as like well. They're just a nowhere for them to play and. You know, like you said, the place is the same as it was 10 years ago anyway. So, you know, the, the pubs were never the same as they were well, when I started drinking. Uh, I would say yeah, I would say it's gone down, but there's more, there's more musicians trying to, but there's less places for them to play. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have made a massive contribution to, you know, inspiring other musicians on the island to, to see that you can go places with music that, is just truly honest. Um, yeah. I seen that clip of you guys at, um, at Christmas on the back of that truck um, playing. That was brilliant. Where did that idea come from? That was brilliant. Well, that's all. Well, yeah, that's that's another thing about living on an island. You know, I, I don't think you'd be able to get get away with that going round in Inverness just now. But it's probably just one of the bonuses with the island. I think we were allowed to do it as long as we kept moving and didn't stop to gather a crowd. Right. So we just managed it for an hour, and we hit a, we hit a, we hit a, we hit a shower, <laughs> hit a shower. Everything got soaked. We're flipping freezing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we managed. We were an hour, an hour and a half, I think we were out. Uh, we just went round the town, and okay, it was good, but it was cold and wet. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that sums up the islands, I imagine. Didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, obviously, that must have been a memorable gig. But what what are other what, what are some of your other favourite gigs that you've played with the band? Right, it's hard to say because I get that nervous before I go on. It's all just everything just happens that quick. I would say the Battlelands when we first start. Well, when the first the Battlelands was the first gig of our tour, so we were a bit less confident. I would say when we recorded that. So by the end of the tour, we were a lot. I would say we were a lot more comfortable, you know, playing live together than we were when we first recorded the Battleland CD. But it's just it's just a shame that it had to come to a stop because we were starting to sound better and better every gig we were doing. And yeah, it was just a shame for it to stop. 
Did you did you just say that you get really nervous before you play? Yeah. Well, yeah, I need a, I need at least four cans of beer before I go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was some entrance that you had at the Barrowlands, though, eh? Yeah, well, that was that was a long day as well, man. We didn't we were non-stop all that day as well. We just straight we managed to get into McDonald's for something to eat. Quick, quick share in the hotel, and we were straight back down the road and on the stage. So we were just flat out all day. Uh, I don't know whose idea that was to put me up in the in the dinghy, but we went <laughs> with it anyway. It was brilliant. It was great. Um, <clears throat> so, have you been? Have you found yourself writing a lot during the pandemic, or has it kind of dried up your creative creative kind of juices a bit? No, I've actually came to a total standstill just now. I can't. I can't. I can't figure anything out. It's probably just because there's nothing happening. Yeah. I was getting out and about a bit more and probably have stuff to write about. But no, I think I've got a, I think I've got one song maybe and I haven't even finished it. So it's just an idea just now. There's still sheep in the fields though. Surely that can inspire you. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> just, Ugh, yeah, we'll just, uh, like I said, it's kind of hard to write about the same thing, but not repeat yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So you've, got to, you've got to try and choose your words carefully, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what is, what is next for you guys? What is What are your hopes and what are your plans for the future? Well, hopefully, if, if I can uh, get a wee bit more inspiration, write another album, because we don't know when this lockdown's going to end. So I think that'll probably be the safest bet for us to try, to try and get another album out. If lockdown is over quicker than we hope, well, that'll be even better, but we just have to sit tight. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, your, your Light My Buyer tour um, was interrupted by COVID as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were just we going to go to Ireland the week. Well, we're going to go to Ireland. We had just finished. We had just done a month tour. We had done a gig in Edinburgh. It was our last gig on the tour. And then we were away to Ireland after that the following week. But that got... That was that was when that got stopped. Did you get the island gig, or, or did were you in Ireland when it was cancelled, or how did what what was the story? No, we were just we were meant to go down the, on the following Thursday, I think it was, and I think it was Tuesday. We had found out that Ireland had gone. I think Ireland had gone into lockdown before anybody. Yeah. Uh, and that was when we got told, and then everything just went downhill after that. And then, so how many how many shows have you still got to play on the Like My Buyer Tour? I know you guys are coming to Dundee, so Ali and I will need to make sure and get ourselves done. Yeah, I, to be quite honest, I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I couldn't put a figure on it because we're just getting all sorts of people wanting things and we can't do things and they're wanting videos and it's just we just don't know where to. We're, we, we don't know where we, we don't know where we're at just now. That's the problem. And COVID on Stornoway, has there, has there been much of an outbreak on Stornoway with the whole COVID thing, or has it kind of been all right? No, we've been pretty lucky, really, in Stornoway. Mm. One or two cases, nothing really to, to complain about. Uh, considering, like, the islands, like, Barra and US, they've had, they've had it quite bad. Have they? Uh, yeah, they've had it worse than us. So we've been kind of really lucky. So everybody's just trying to sit, trying not to move too, too much and... Hopefully, hopefully no one will get it, but ugh, it's just one of these things. There's not much you can do about it, really. You just have to hope it'll all blow over. Yeah, absolutely. 
over the the last few months when we've um, we've had guests on, we, we usually finish up or towards the end of the episode, we throw in some never have I ever questions, right? We've got some cards here we're going to pick out and we're going to see um, where we go with them. Right? All right. So um, first up, never have I ever thrown <laughs> up in a taxi. Oh, I've never thrown up in the taxi, but I've made the taxi stop and I've got out of it. <laughs> at least you have the decency to do that man you know there's plenty of other people that would spew right up in the in the taxi so you're all right well maybe i have but i just can't remember it if, if, if i have they haven't, <laughs> if i have they haven't they haven't told me <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough um never have i ever broken something in a store and walked away Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh can't can't think Surely that I probably have broken something in a store, but I, I doubt I would have walked away. Yes, I have. I've broken a bottle of vodka in a store, but I didn't walk away. <laughs> I was going to say that you can only walk so far on Stornoway. Like, you're on an island. No, no. So. I, dropped a bo- I dropped a bottle of vodka at the checkout one day. That, that... <laughs> oh, nightmare. That kind. That kind. <laughs> I mean, you didn't walk away, so you're all right. No, I didn't walk away, no. Never have I ever yelled at the person driving in front of me. Everyone's done that, right? Definitely, yeah. Do you drive on the way? Yeah. I don't drive myself. I'm just a backseat driver, so I'm good at shouting. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so yeah, I'm a backseat driver and I've always been. Yeah, right, that's it. That's, yeah. that's it. Fair play. Never have, I, never have I ever dated my siblings' ex. Do you have any siblings? No. Well, I've got two, two half-brothers, but I don't see much of them. And have you dated any of their exes? <laughs> no, definitely not. No. <laughs> right. Last one of these. Never have I ever spent more money partying than rent in one single month. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> Living the life, man, for sure. Probably, probably done that in a single weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Right. Um, you need to you need to teach us some good Gaelic phrases, right? Give us a couple, like obviously for, for ourselves and also for anyone else listening. Give us a couple of good Gaelic phrases. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the Gaelic phrases on Callum Dan, one of the songs. Yeah, yeah. It means, well, it basically means take your time or slow down or take it easy. I'm not sure exactly word for word what it means. Okay. It, but it's the same kind again? of... It's the same. It's the same meaning, really. Huh? Slow down, take your time. I think it means take your time. What's the phrase? Erta hawker. Erta hawker. Yeah, that's the one. Ali, are you having a go at that one? Erta hawker. Ah, bang on. Absolutely <laughs> bang on. That sounded Indian or Spanish or something. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't Gaelic. <laughs> Re- reaching out to everyone. That's all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just... Give us another good one. Oh. I'm trying to think. Of, see, I'm not very good at the meaning of them. I just, I just, I just know them. Uh, see, boy, the, whenever you go abroad, right, or you learn a foreign language, the first thing you always have to learn is, "I'll have a pint, please." What's what? How would you say that in Gaelic? How would you get that? Out? Oh, hamigiri, hamigiri drama, I suppose, or hamigiri, hamigiri pintilion. I would say. Like I said, my Gaelic's not that great, so I'm going to go with that. Hamigiri pintilion. I think that's what you would say for a pint of beer. I think we'll need but, to listen to that one back rather than try and attempt that just now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Escabea, that's um, is that whiskey? Escabea? Escabea, yeah, that's whiskey, yeah. 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 yeah see, my, my I'm not great at it, but my, I know a few wee phrases here and there. 
Yeah, there's a lot. I'm not. There's a lot. There's a lot of words here that are just made up. People don't. People don't actually have a Gaelic word for them, so they just kind of stick an "akara" something or an "os" on the end of it just to <laughs> just to make just to give it the Gaelic feel, you know. And hopefully, um, going forward, like we're having bands like yourselves promoting the Gaelic culture, it can become more of a thing again in Scotland. I think it's it's really important that we embrace the language because, I mean, it, it would be a tragedy if it died. Yeah, well, it's definitely coming back, but it's just, will, will the youngsters speak it among themselves? That's the thing, rather than you just knowing it and never using it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's the only worry, really. Because yeah. I, I could have I could have been fluent in it myself. If I rounded it more and kept on talking it more, I probably could have been fluent. I when we were, when I was in school, it wasn't, you know, it. I wish I had learned a lot more of it, but we we were probably laughed at if we spoke it, you know, in yeah. school. It just wasn't. It was. It was just. It it was. It was aged. You know, it was aged. Fair play. Well, Boydie, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. All the best um, in the future with the with the tour when it eventually recommences, and uh, hopefully you'll find your songwriting craft again. No, um, hopefully. <laughs>